This episode of The Collected Podcast highlights mature themes around sexuality and early childhood trauma. As a courtesy to you, our listeners, we would like to offer a parental advisement and trigger warning. Enjoy the show. You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Here's your host, Tia McNelly. You are listening to Season 3, Episode 3 of The Collected Podcast. As always, I'm joined by our producer and co-host, Jess Biondo. Hi, Jess. How are you? Hello. I'm so good. If you're watching our video stream on this episode, you'll see I'm streaming from my classroom today. So I things are it. a little bit different. And if this is the first you've heard about our video stream, you can check out our website now. And we post videos of every interview. Um, so kind of a new way to engage with us and see our faces. Faces, um, if you're not in the car. We are very excited to bring you our guest uh, for this podcast, this episode. Her name is Lori Krieg, and she's a writer, a speaker, a ministry leader, and she's here to talk about her new book um, that released back in October, I believe. Um, so it's been out for a little while, and we are so excited to be doing some giveaways of her book as well. So after you hear all about it, you're definitely going to want to read it. So check us out on Instagram. Um, you'll see all the details there for the giveaway to win a copy of her new book. Um, so, and I want to say really quick, Jess, yeah. this book is a page turner, you guys. Mm-hmm. I got through chapter one and like could not put it down. It was amazing. And you guys are going to want to read every single word of this book. It is one, not what you think. Yes. You have to read this book. <laughs> yes. So without further ado, ado, here is Lori. Welcome, Lori. Hey guys, I'm so glad to be here with you. And I love hearing responses to our book, uh, especially things like that it's a page turner. Because when I was writing it, I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to write a boring book. And not that I like (laughs) many things. I was like, I just want to write something I would want to read. So I'm glad to hear that other people want to read it. You did it. So we haven't mentioned the title yet. Your book is called An Impossible Marriage, What Our Mixed Orientation Marriage Has Taught Us About Love and the Gospel. Here's a picture of the cover for anyone watching with us. Uh, So Lori, could you tell us where the idea for this book comes from and give our listeners a a little bit of background on your story? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... I had been pitching books to publishers for like a couple years, you know, and I had had one, I had one contract rolling and then InterVarsity reached out to my husband, Matt and I and said, Hey, how would a marriage book? And I was like, no, (laughs) I don't want to share our marriage journey. Like you don't even know, you know? And, um, I prayed about it. We prayed about it. That was, I think, January of 2019. And we mm. prayed about it together. And I, the only thing I can say is it was like this Holy Spirit pressure of this needs to be written. Mm. And um, I was like, you know, you can always say no. You don't have to say mm-hmm. yes to God. We always have free will. But I was like, right, okay, I'm going to say yes. So it was <laughs> because so you know what happens. 
If you say yeah. no, it does not go well for you. It's not great. Like getting no. out of God's will isn't the best. Um, no. So we were surprised slash not at all surprised that like we do the proposal, et cetera, and everything gets greenlit, no problems. And so I've been like, I've been trying to write a book for years, Lord. So clearly this was his deal. <laughs> So the beginning of the book, uh, that chapter one that you're referring to, it starts with me packing a question into a suitcase of warm clothes. And the question was, what do you want? And a friend had asked me that earlier in the day, and she assumed that she knew that, like, like I should know her, the answer, which would be, you want Matt. You want your husband, Matt. Like, you guys, your story's so cute. Which, okay, sure, okay, sure. You know, we met at the old Cornerstone University, and he was the cute, nice boy who, you know, was a good Christian boy. And I was a decent Christian girl. (laughs) I mean, I did all the leadership stuff. Uh, But I had, like, tried dating guys throughout high school and kind of in college, and then I fell super hard for my friend Um, my girlfriend. And um, yeah, so I reached a point uh, right after graduation from college where I was either going to kill myself or come out as a lesbian atheist because I actually believed what the Bible said about God's design for marriage. It was between a man and woman. I just didn't think I could live it without wanting to Mm. die. Wow. And so, yeah, I was... um, I reached out to a counselor in that time for help with the suicidality because a friend was like, yeah, you probably shouldn't want to die. <laughs> that's no, not normal. No, that's not how we're supposed to do. No, no definitely not. No, no, no. So I reached out to her and turns out she was like less of a counselor and more of like a spiritual Gandalf sort of character. Like she like walked with God. Like I would look and I'd be like, <laughs> does she even touch the ground? I don't think so. It was very weird. Um, but she like knew Jesus, like knew him. And um, she didn't do some like magical therapy thing, like turning me from gay to straight. She wasn't like actually Gandalf. She was just a person. <laughs> but she taught me how to feel these good needs inside of my heart for things like nurture, belonging to be seen, known and loved that we all have pre-fall and the fall comes in and jacks us all up. And we all have, because of the fall, a natural to us default predisposition or orientation, if you will, to get the good needs of our heart met in ways that don't actually satisfy and mm-hmm. don't glorify God. Yes. We are all born that way. <laughs> I just didn't really realize that this was a version of brokenness that you could surrender to the Lordship of Christ. I thought you had to be straight Mm. to be a Christian. So she doesn't like do anything magical or fancy other than help me to name those needs. So like she'd ask me questions like, Lori, when you're looking at the, an ideal or envisioning the ideal perfect woman, what are you picturing? I was like, that's awkward. I'm not going to tell you. You're like 70. (laughs) Then I actually said it out loud. And guys, I was so shocked that the words that came tumbling out of my mouth were not sexual words. They were heart words. 
those mm-hmm. needs I was mentioning first to be seen and known and loved. I want to be seen and known and loved. And she said, Lori, those are good things. You're just going to the wrong place. Mm-hmm. The right place was not a dude though. That's mm-hmm. also idolatry. I don't, you know, yes. female to male. It's just, that's idolatry too. The answer was Absolutely. Jesus. And I knew that, but it's possible to know Jesus without really knowing and experiencing Jesus. And so she helped me. I didn't realize I had like a lot of gunk in the trunk. I had a lot of barriers (laughs) between those good needs in my heart and the need meter of my soul. And so boom, 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 spiritual disciplines, lament, listening, prayer, confession, forgiveness, not confessing personhood, but confessing only when I sinned. And I became joyful and single, and God, I sensed His hand on my shoulder saying, I have someone for you. And I said, no. And He said, Lori, (laughs) it's either not my will but yours, all of it or none of it. And so I said, not my will but yours. And He didn't say, oh, now this is the fairy tale ending. You got to marry a dude. It was the mode, dear Lori. I want Mm. you to do the mission to make disciples not everyone like me, but me. I want The mode I want you to do the mission to make disciples is as a married woman. Marriage and singleness are equally valuable modes we do the mission to make disciples. He, he, disciples, he just called me to marriage. He knows how to sanctify us best and gift us the best. So for me, it's through marriage. And he didn't have me like fall in love with all men. That'd be really stressful and weird. <laughs> yeah. He had... My heart connect to one man, Matt, who I had met way back at Cornerstone. And um, he had our hearts connect, and that led to like this dis- like on mission thing that led to a physical desire. I wanted to marry him. I didn't want to marry men. I wanted to marry Matt, and uh, he wanted right. to marry me too. So that was good. It was like <laughs> we both wanted to. So uh, that will be 12 years in February, but fast forward seven years to me packing that question into... So from when we got married, fast forward seven years, packing that question into the suitcase. And I was wrestling because I, a repressed memory of childhood assault, had bubbled to the surface to me when my oldest daughter turned the age I was when something happened to me. I didn't remember it. And although Matt was not my perpetrator, his maleness reminded me of him. That's just like the way like trauma just jacks you up. Your body keeps the score which is a good book. So yes, it, is. it was stored inside there. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I had this like fight, flight, or freeze response to Matt, but then I still had these attractions to the same sex going on that I was surrendering to Jesus and they magnetized together. And now all of a sudden this friendship that would lead to this like desire for Matt, I see cold. Mm-hmm. It was all gone. And uh, that question mm-hmm. of what do I want? Like, why am I even in this stupid marriage? Why am I here? And God met me after I packed that suitcase and took it on a silent retreat. And God met me in that place, Whew. which is what chapter one unfolds. But what questions do you have? I can keep going, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause. <laughs> well, I want to say two things. First of all, for any listener who may not feel like they can necessarily relate to like same-sex attraction— I had a very similar experience early on in marriage where mm. I was so frustrated. I mean, I was young, I was 25, newlywed, 
And I remember talking to one of my girlfriends down the street and I was just like heartbroken because my husband wasn't meeting my needs. Mm. And like, I longed for all those things you mentioned to be seen and known and to feel all of these, have all these needs met through my feelings. Well, I'm married to a five. I didn't know that back then, but Mm. I, I did not know all the different ways that he was actually meeting these needs, but I wasn't receiving what he was putting out. And the Lord is constantly meeting our needs. And a lot of times we just don't have these receptors open or this Mm -hmm. awareness, Holy Spirit awareness to receive the Lord's meeting of our needs. And so I just wanted to make sure that we give, if, if if you're too afraid to admit that maybe you do identify um, with some of what Lori has just said, or if you can't identify with that, just to give you something to kind of latch onto as we continue to listen to Lori. And also, Lori, you are not alone with childhood trauma coming out of nowhere and whacking you over the head and sending you into mm. therapy and causing mm. issues in your marriage. I totally mm-hmm. understand that and have experienced that myself. So, Jess, what questions mm. do you have? <laughs> so, um, I want to pick up where you left off with this question of what do you want? Um, mm-hmm. How did how did you answer that, and what did you decide? Yeah. So, I make a pro con list at this silent retreat with Jesus, and it wasn't like, dear diary. It was like, dear God. Am I going to leave or am I going to stay? Mm-hmm. Pro of leaving would be I could finally find, you know, my person who I felt naturally attracted to. Con, I mean, I'm not dumb. It's the, like, euphoric stage of a new person isn't going to last that long. I'm like, mm-hmm. facts, women can be kind of annoying sometimes. So I'm like, okay, I recognize <laughs> this is, like, not all true fantasy world. And then, like, a con would be, like, I wouldn't want to confuse my kids, but a pro would be, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sick of fighting. I'm so sick of my existence being controversial. Like, everyone has an opinion about my life. Like, it'd be super nice to just finally stop fighting. Con would be, i lose some of my friends. But then I could, like, totally rewrite that script and be, like, you know what? They, uh, they never actually knew Jesus. They never really loved me. I could rewrite that pretty quick. And Khan actually would probably miss some parts about Matt. I actually do kind of like him. He's a really good dude. Khan. <laughs> I might go to hell. I mean, it's kind of convicting. I'm not about to, like, walk down that path right now and talk about hell. But I'm just saying. It was just in my head. And I was like, eh, it's actually not even convicting that much. And then the book of Jude, like, smashed me in the head. Which, who reads Jude? I do. Right? I was, I was thinking my, that. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the heck? Who reads it? Okay, but I was still doing my Bible reading plan, and it was next up. So here I was in the Holy Spirit. You know, true story is that the Bible is alive and active. And so mm-hmm. God just brought it to my mind and heart in that moment, which I didn't add that tidbit in the book, so you get it podcast extra, um, <laughs> that I was still doing my Bible reading plan, and it was next up. So There's a section in verses 17 to 19 where it says that in the end times, there are those who will follow what is natural to them because they do not have God's spirit in them. So I was like, wait, Mm. if I follow what's natural to me, will I lose God's spirit? Mm. Wow. But then I was like, well, what's your spirit even give me? Everything was on the table. Yeah. And it was crazy, guys, because I experienced it. It was weird. But like the next two seconds after I'm like, what's your spirit even give me? God allowed me to uh, feel what I 
think is the essence of what a life devoid of God feels like, mm-hmm. a life of hell. And I was so cold and I was so terrified. And it wasn't like I was like empty as in like, I'm hungry and I need a sandwich. It was like, I was emptiness and I, it was like a black hole. I couldn't suck enough Ugh. in. And when those two seconds were done, I was like panting. And one thing was crystal clear to me is that God's spirit is not some sort of like Jiminy Cricket, always let your conscience be your guide. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just sprinkle a little Jesus on me and call it good. It Like he's the only source of life and hope and peace. And if I wanted life and hope and peace, then I wanted God. And if I wanted God, then I needed to say, not my will, but yours again. Yes. And what he had called me to, what part of his will for my life was this marriage, this impossible marriage. And I packed my bags early the next morning in the middle of a snowstorm. And instead of packing a question, I packed a conviction mm. that not my will, but yours. And God, I have no mm. clue how you're going to fix this marriage. I don't know if Matt and I will ever be physically intimate again, but I want you. And so I want what you have for me. Wow. And the rest of our book unpacks some major questions, which I'm happy to get into, but I'll just quickly refer to them, is the question of, I ask, why male-female marriage? Not what are the arguments against same-sex marriage, because those did not save me. Right. I knew them. I could recite them to you when I was wrestling. But why the yes of male-female marriage? Why sex? Like, why? What's the point of it? Besides, like, pleasure Mm. and babies? Like, I didn't get it. Like, help me understand. Um... And I, I pray that whoever picks it up will see what we're trying to do. We're trying to dethrone sex and marriage from the idol it's become while yeah. elevating it to the gospel metaphor that they are. Amen. I'll pause again. <laughs> Amen. Wow. <laughs> so so you said you said why why male, female? Why sex? Were there any yeah. other questions that you addressed? I just don't want to miss any because they're really good so far. Those are the major ones. The major ones, okay. My husband, Matt, it's not just from my perspective. Matt is also asking those questions, whereas I wasn't putting enough weight on the gospel significance of male-female marriage and sex. Matt wasn't either. He was putting too much weight on our marriage itself. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So it was like he had to take it off of the human Mm-hmm. And I, we both had to put them, both our hands on God. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the um, sort of the gospel illustration. Give us, give us the mm-hmm. crux of what God's design truly is. Yeah, dude. If we're saying yes and tr- instead of trying to tell people no. Mm. It's so critical. It is. So one of the first things I did when I got back beyond confessing and having some tough conversations with Matt, just admitting what's been going on in my head, there was no like secret person on the side. It was just, do I leave or do I stay? Uh, I started grilling my friends, which most of my friends are straight and like the closest are, they're all in like heterosexual marriages. And I I started grilling them because I was like, what the heck? Like what you you said... um, Tia was that, you know, you can relate to my story. And I've, I've found 
is everyone not happy in their marriage? Like, mm. legit. Does every wife <laughs> just want their husband to get off them and the husband wants more? Like, I was like, we say the same sentences. Help, help me understand what's going on. And it was just, I just, it was all this like shrug, gave your husband a piece of your body and he'll give you a piece of his heart. And I was like, what is happening? Like, is this literally, this is like the the con of Christianity is like, Mm. we all get like, we all want this Hallmark story. And then if God calls us to marriage, because singleness is equally valuable. If once we get married, it's like, that makes our lust Christian legal. And then Mm. surprise, you actually never want to have sex, which is quote unquote, the barometer of your marriage. That's like, the emphasis it's you can quantify oneness apparently and then it's like oh surprise you actually hate each other and that's i was so baffled i was like it's disappointing it's so disappointing to put that kind of pressure of idolatry like you called it out on married couples in that way but and you don't have to necessarily right totally and you don't necessarily have to feel at the end of your rope like this just doesn't work I don't even want to do this it could just be really complicated it could just be super complicated and And you don't understand why and it's supposed to be easy right it's supposed to be easy this is supposed to be Mm -hmm. something that's blessed and beautiful and it's not what you expected right yeah exactly and then you know there are some people I think in the 90s we started waking up to the divorce rate but then there's some people who are like oh well it's hard and I've so appreciated voices that are like it's about sanctification it's about holiness Mm. but here's very salty me in that season who was like I can get sanctified somewhere else (laughs) why do I have to do this Honestly. (laughs) So I tried to read many marriage books and I tried to listen to many marriage podcasts and there's a lot of themes in there and there's a lot of eye rolling and I wanted something that stopped looking so horizontally and would actually speak to, I don't know, I was was looking for something else and I found it. Uh, God used uh, Francis and Lisa Chan's book, You and Me Forever, as well as a few other things. Right? Oh. Um, bless them. So oh good. Oh my goodness. But a what he started the light bulb in my head was the Ephesians 5 passage, which we probably heard 10,000 billion trillion times. So I'm going to say it again. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall be united into one. This is a great mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. What? Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So there's lots of jokes about how men are like the sports and they're man caves and they're just, they only know emotions like anger and sports, like whatever. And women, oh, eye rolls. They're so controlling and, you know, we're just rolling our eyes. They love Pinterest and high heels and chatting and she sheds. And so we're doing all this like eye rolling at each other. And um, the truth is we are different. But how different, if it says, this is an illustration of Christ in the church, how different is God from humanity? It's good. Ephesians 1.21 says, He is far above every ruler and power and authority, not only in this life, but also in the life to come. He is ontologically different. He is so different. We're just dusty little Adam us, and yet he wants to and will marry us. That's the whole story of the Bible. It starts with a marriage and ends with a marriage, and there's all this like adultery language throughout that God doesn't say, oh, you are a bad pupil. He says, you cheated on me. 
Yep. So when we, very different men and very different women for whom God has called to marriage, when we die to self to be one with our very different spouse, we show the world how Jesus died to be one with us and how we are supposed to die daily to be one, increasingly one with yeah. Him. Yeah. It's a gospel picture. Whew. Sex difference Thank is you, on Lord. purpose. Mm. Mm. So good. <laughs> That's really good. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, uh, so as you started then uncovering these truths, um, what opposition did you face? Because I feel mm. like as we start to dig into what God wants to show us, and when we say yes to Him, the devil doesn't want that. Mm. So, I mean, this isn't really a question yeah. <laughs> on the list. It just came to my mind. So yeah. if so you care to share. Yeah, I mean, our flesh fights union with God and union with our spouse. And so I had to, I had to fight. I'm not a yeller in a fight. I'm a silent brooder. And so I had to fight when I felt, you know, Matt would say something. And my default before would have been like, ugh, men. Or, or at least like, whatever, this is just even like a non-thought. But the second I'd start to feel like, oop, that's like a tiny sliver of division between us. I had to fight silence and I had to go, mm. Matt, can you help me understand what you meant by that? Mm. So for me, it was like a fight to communicate what, like mm-hmm. to be not aggressive, not passive aggressive, but to be assertive. So I think that was one of the biggest things on my end was fight for union, fight for oneness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And communication is imperative in that. And I think too, I don't know, I don't know if this is true for you, but something that is a huge barrier in those moments of shutting down and being the brooding fighter is is a freeze response of trauma. And, you know, if you haven't healed from trauma, you're going to find it very difficult to pull out of that silent shutdown that sets in sometimes in those, in those hard, those hard points of, of miscommunication or the, just the need for communication. It could just be the longing to connect. And, and sometimes it just, there are these barriers that come, come into play. And so, you know, listeners, I'm always, always, always preaching counseling. If you have experienced some form of trauma or even disappointment, call it disappointment in your life, find a good Christian counselor, a spirit-led counselor, and dig into those things and find peace and healing. It will play out with beauty in every area of your life, which I know that you went through your counseling process. You mentioned your counselor before. Are you still, to this day, are you in counseling? I'm not now. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think everybody needs a refresher course every <laughs> yeah. couple years. Definitely. <laughs> so Definitely. I, I'm very pro-counseling. Matt's a licensed therapist. So, oh, or at least so a good. spiritual director. Yeah. 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 That's so good. So can you give us, I know he's not in the room, but I'm sure you're, you have permission to give us a little bit of his experience in, in this for our male listeners, because we do have an, a male listenership. So Matt had to fight, not because he is a counselor and he is a dude. Mm -hmm. And now I'm stereotyping men, so forgive me. But he (laughs) had to fight wanting to fix me. And especially and even with, you know, my, like he could see 
what was going on at some level with me, but you can't counsel your wife. <laughs> right, or, right. Because that's just unhealthy, but it did help yeah. him. There were some tools he had to be able to like slow down or if he noticed that I was going into fight or flight, he, he could back it up a bit. Mm-hmm. But I think for him, like I mentioned, he put too much weight on sex and marriage, the human side of it. Not that it's not also fleshy. You know, I'm not a Gnostic mm-hmm. where I'm, you know, Placing spirit and body, but where he saw it as elevated, that idol, for him, uh, and I would just encourage, I don't know, honestly, Matt's parts in the book, in my opinion, are the best because he doesn't (laughs) talk. He says such weird, amazing things of, you know, like, he talked about fasting from his desire for sex, and that was so huge. Mm. And what I mean by that, and then I'll I'll pause it, but he, every time he felt desire um, to have closeness with me physically, which he was learning in that process to look through the physical to God who sees and knows and desires him, but every time he felt that desire, like you would when you fast from food, he learned, he took it to Jesus. Jesus, Mm. I want you. Do you desire me? Do you see me? Because it was Mm. off the table. But that trained his heart so that even Mm. when sex could be back on the table, that trained his heart to not look to it, but through it to God who sees and knows and desires you, which is the purpose of sex. Wow. Yes. A purpose. There's a few. A. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's so good. So... What other things have you guys faced outside of of these issues that kind of surround sexual desire? What other things has have you had to overcome in your marriage that were worth that fight? Have there been other things that you guys have kind of come against that you'd have to had to struggle to to stay unified in? Mm-hmm. If you're willing to share, I mean. Yeah, I mean, even still in that sexual lane, like Matt has had his battles with pornography, and so that's a whole other conversation, but still in that right. same lane. But I'll I'll just say something very um, recent that we're working through outside of this sexuality range is, um, is Matt working on his emotional garden. We talk about different gardens in, in your like <laughs> life, but he's working on not just, he's, as a therapist, you'd be like, I mean, doesn't he have emotions on lock? He can talk about emotions and think about emotions, but to feel them. He's mm. learning how to go into that space um, he's an Enneagram. You guys are Enneagram people. So he's a 9-1, which are also mm-hmm. emotion avoiders. And um, he uh, he almost prides himself on his ability to be unbiased, you know, and not really feel the extremes. But it's been so interesting as we're working in this place, you know, we're working right now. We have um, a son who's just over one right now, and he's very a chill baby. He's very peaceful and very calm and yet he shows emotion and so I actually asked Mm. Matt recently I said Matt look at when he's happy he's happy and when he's sad he's sad and I was like this is I think more your true self than this even keeled guy and then I Mm. even asked this which has really struck Matt and again I, I have permission to share this but I said Matt is that this middle of the road on like, I can talk about feelings, but I don't feel things. I said, do you think that's how you'll be in heaven? 
Mm. And he was mm. like, no. So I, I guess, wow. you know, the sexuality one has been a big one for the last few years, but it's interesting as we like understand more and more of what oneness and unity is that like sex isn't the barometer of marriage. It's fun to explore these different places of union and connection. And it's fun to see Matt. I'm like, yeah, now it's your turn to work. (laughs) Get them emotions. Yes. That's so good. Well, as we kind of think about wrapping things up, I want to ask what, what has Jesus done that makes you want to go the distance with him? How do you know that you don't have to, you don't have to decide anymore? Or do you still decide daily? To follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. To go the distance. I mean, he's the best gig. He's the best gig. Like, no other religion atheism or other has an answer for suffering and pain. Mm. No other religion has a God who didn't just tell us what to do, but like came down to earth and lived it out and is the empathizer. He's the Emmanuel God with us. Like he, there ain't no empathy like Emmanuel's empathy. (laughs) And it's, like I said, I think probably the moment, a, a moment, and hopefully I just keep having more, was just like, wow, life devoid of God is hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's no comfort and hope and peace. But I don't, I don't aim for emotional connection. Honestly, it's you're the best gig. There's no one that can compare. Where do I have to go but you? Mm-hmm. And um, there's just such rich fruit, which includes that life and joy, that emotional peace that can happen mm. when you're suffering well with him mm. and um I'm not gonna leave the best gig yeah yeah you don't give that up yeah no. <laughs> um, I have a final question um as I'm hearing all of this what final word do you have for our listeners to encourage those out there that are struggling in this place of trying to decide if they're going to walk away from their yes to God or walk away from their situation. Their situation may look different than yours. It may be similar, but just to those people right now who are trying to decide what they want and if they're going to walk away. Mm. I think for me, for me, you know, when I was either on the floor of my apartment right after college, do I kill myself or come out? Like, I thought those were my only two options. And God showed me, oh, there's a third way. Mm. And then also, if I picture the moments in this at the silent retreat, wrestling with God again, for me, it helped to know I actually do have a choice. Mm. You can leave. Mm-hmm. You can say no. For some reason, that's so liberating. Like, I think a lot of us can, if we grew up in the church, we can kind of feel this like religious noose still like gripping our necks. And some of Mm -hmm. it is, I want to say like good in the sense, like if there's actual truth in the yes of Jesus, I don't want to say the noose is good, but just say there's not a noose. There's freedom. There's love. There's life. And he's going to love you if you walk out and you can always come back. But I think to sit, have an honest assessment of like, God, Mm. everything's on the table. 
and yeah. um, let him meet you there. Invite, I'd invite a couple people maybe in who will also sit with you and hold their hands open. But I, I don't know. I think just rip the noose off and sit yeah. with him. And he, he's still sovereign. He's, he's hanging with you. He ain't scared. Yeah. He's not biting his nails. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very empowering. There's a feeling of empowerment, you know, to, to choose yeah. it and to walk in freedom. Is, it's literally a decision of the will to say, yeah. This is what I'm doing, and I'm mm-hmm. free to do so, and it's so good. Yeah, and I and love even it. getting getting to that edge. Sometimes you have to get to the edge of disbelieving something to really mm-hmm. believe in it. Which is why when I have friends who go through doubt or whatever, and I'm like, I'm still love you. How you doing? I'll answer their questions. You know, I'll be with mm-hmm. them. But I'm actually get excited because I'm like, if you get to the bottom of the barrel of this, you're gonna be so lit. You're gonna be so on fire. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. it's so true it's so true man thank you so much Lori for for your yes to this book to Mm -hmm. our show um, Mm. to every person that comes across your story Um, you're so generous to share this Mm -hmm. with the world and um, we're grateful we are so grateful Mm -hmm. and I know many will be helped so listeners again please 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 pick up this book Mm-hmm. There is something in there for you. And if you don't think there is, it's an, at least an incredible story. You've got that going <laughs> yeah. for you, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you oh, so man. much. Yes. You bet. Thank you, Lori. Wow, Jess. What a gift to have Lori on the show. And, you know, these are hard topics. These are not easy topics. They're um, talking about, first of all, just the the issue of homosexuality, talking about sex and marriage, talking about early childhood trauma. These are heavy, heavy topics. And I think Lori um, really has an understanding of what it is to be vulnerable. You heard me mm-hmm. thank her for being generous. I feel like her her early um, words about these longings that we have, that we're all born with, with longings, but they're, they're for the Lord. They're meant to be directed at the Lord. Things like being seen and known and loved and understood and cared for and protected and provided for. These are all good things. And it, it just Mm -hmm. strikes me that if we're going to be able to be seen and known, we do have to be vulnerable. And that is something the Lord has been teaching me the hard way this year. Um, it's it's very hard to just fully open up and let yourself be seen, but it's the most generous thing we can do. And I think the first step, Brene Brown has obviously done a ton of work in this area and the connection between shame and vulnerability. And so mm. I think I think choosing, not choosing, but doing doing the work and the learning and the reflection um, on shame and understanding how it works in the brain and and setting it down and not allowing it to direct us anymore is so important if we are going to finally be able to be vulnerable, both before the Lord and with others. Yeah. That's so powerful. And we'll put some links to those resources um, mm-hmm. on the the episode page for this on our website, because that mm-hmm. is really important. And with so many of these episodes, I know we throw a lot at you in a very short <laughs> amount of time. Yes. Um, and the hope with doing it, every, you know, doing an episode every other week is that it gives you time to process and sit in some of these truths that may be new to you um, or something that maybe God is 
showing you again or showing you for the first time something about his character. Um, so if you do mm-hmm. access those resources, we try and post a lot for you on our website. And I know we mention it every yes. once in a while, but I want to highlight it again because we do these listening guides where we yeah. break down all the concepts mm-hmm. um, in note style that each of our um each of our guests highlight. So if, you know, if you hear a verse or there's some concept that really sticks out to you, but you're yes. in your car and it's kind of in one ear, out the other, but you thought like, oh, wait, that was good. I, I wish I could write that down. We have written it down for you. Yes. And everything is already there in one place. And all the notes from the episode are so detailed. So if there's a quote or a scripture reference or a book that's mentioned, we have it all there for you. And so I want to just remind you of that to take advantage of it. Um, because I know when I'm taking those notes on the episode, it's so impactful for me to mm-hmm. really dig into this content because these guests we've had just blow my mind, the the wisdom and insight and the things I learned from them. And so um, just a little plug for our website so good. as well. And Jess, yeah. you do such an incredible job putting that together for us. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for the it's work that fun. you do because it's so helpful. It really is. So you guys be sure to go check out those incredible yeah. show notes and the video. Don't miss the video. It's so helpful to be able to see you. If you haven't looked at this video, you will not believe how animated Lori is. She is. Oh, she was so wow. fun to watch. She is yes. a fantastic storyteller. No doubt. Um, one other thing kind of unrelated she mentioned a few times singleness um, mm-hmm. because I, you know, I'm not married and I know we have a lot of unmarried listeners out there too. And this still so much applied to me, even as a single person yes. of making sure my longings for the belonging and being seen that I'm not trying to put those on someone I'm dating mm. or thinking that one day a husband will fix all that for me. Right. Um, you know, I was kind of the opposite of Lori in college where she kind of thought she would never get married, that she had resigned to a life of singleness. I, on the other hand, thought I'd be married by 22 and having babies by 23, whereas I am now in my 30s and still single, but seeing God's hand in that and that... Yeah. It was through my journey of singleness that he taught me to rely on him. Whereas Mm. for Lori, it was through her journey of marriage. And so like, don't discount the journey God has you on because it is Mm. what he has for you. He's going to use that specific path for you, even if it Mm -hmm. looks different um, from your friends. And that is so so good. I just want to encourage someone in that, like Mm -hmm. where you're at is okay. (laughs) Even if it's different from what you expected. Yes. Um, My friend Donna Early, who I hope will get on this show one day, um, used the phrase strategically placed. You have been strategically placed. The Lord knows Mm. exactly what He's doing. And there's a larger strategy at play. And He has you sovereignly, strategically placed where you are and on the path that you are on for His glory your good and the good of others. So friends, Mm -hmm. thank you so, so much for listening. We're glad that you are on this path with us today. See you in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. 
If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as a dollar a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, giveaways, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes and Jess at Spreza Foundry. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.